From deep in the heart of Texas, it's time to chain fire some freedom with another episode of the Clover Tack Podcast. Listen in as we have a conversation with people from the firearm industry and community. Are you ready for the show? We are too. Let's go. What's up, Cruz March the 15th? Is it the 15th? I think it is of 2023. So welcome to another Clover Tack podcast brought to you by our good friends at MTM Case Guard. And yes, the camera is glitching if you're out there on the live end. I don't know what's going on. I have no clue. Nothing has changed from the last, oh, I don't know, dozen podcasts we've done. So I don't know what's happening. If you're in the audio world, though, it's not going to matter. So we're just going to roll with it. Um, but uh, yeah, MTM Case Guard, they've been uh, in the game for a very long time. Odds are, if you are a firearm owner, you probably own some stuff from MTM Case Guard. Could be a storage box of some kind. It could be a shooting table, a shooting rest, or all sorts of other things. If you want to check out what they have, uh, jump over on mtmcase-guard.com. And it would help if I threw that up on the uh, screen. But uh, mtmcase-guard.com, go CloverTag for 15% off, and there'll probably be a link down below. So we got Brooke Cheney with a great start shooting school. She's waiting patiently uh, back in the green room. Going to bring her in in a minute. No telling where the conversation could go, but I anticipate it to be a great conversation before we get Brooke in the house though uh real quick thanks to the patreon patrons the youtube channel members those that super chat those that super thanks those that shop clovertack.com slash shop and always want to mention that we are proud members member a proud member of i guess uh professional outdoor media association or palma as well as firearms radio network and the soon-to-be new rapid fire radio network but uh, we'll get some branding up on that uh, eventually once that uh, kind of happens remember if you've got questions for our guests throw those out there in the live chat that's one of the perks of joining us live uh, but if you're in replay well you can jump down in the uh, comments below anywhere in replay audio or video world leave those comments uh, as well so let's get brooke in here how are you, ma'am? I'm good. And I just want to let you know that I do have MTM case guard in my reloading room and in my bag. And that's mm-hmm. what goes to all the matches with me. So um, I would be surprised. I think very few firearm owners own nothing from them. They make so much stuff. <laughs> my, my husband's cases are green, just like your, your colors. Mine are pink. Uh-huh. So that we know whose ammo is whose. So, yeah. So is it the translucent or is it the ones with the green and, the green and pink lids, the black ones with the green so and pink lids? So my husband's are the solid green ones. Mine okay. are the pink and, uh, yeah, the translucent ones. Oh, okay. Gotcha. So, yeah, I yeah. usually go for the I usually go for the ones that have the black bottom with the with the green, the lime green clamshell. It's usually the ones that I'll go with typically. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, his so, loads are way different than mine. So because he's got a revolver, <laughs> he's got 38 super. I, I shoot nine. I don't want to grab his stuff by accident. So. Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> That'd be well, bad. Well, have I done that yeah. before? Yes. Yes, I have. <laughs> So let's um, 
Yeah, let's let's just jump into this. I don't know where the conversation is going to end up going. It could go a bunch of different directions, but um, let's start out for those out there uh, in my little world anyway that may not be familiar with you and what you do. Just give us a uh, an elevator speech, if you will, and you can rant for twenty minutes if that's what you want to do about it. But uh, give a uh, give a little introduction, not the quick introduction, but give a little introduction. And then we'll just kind of run from there as we get questions uh, or wherever the conversation takes us. All right. So, yeah, that's always a hard thing because I do a bunch of different things. Right. But let's start at the basics. My name is Burkini. We got that there. Um, I am the owner and instructor here at a great start shooting school. And I started as a dumb gun bunny is my new thing in that I'd been around guns all my life. If you'd asked me if I was a shooter, I would say yes, because I'd been to the range and I pulled the trigger. <laughs> However, hello, Miss Fiona. She's one of my unicorn students, actually. Um, and I, I used to think I was a shooter and a gun owner. And the reason I say I used to is because I'd been around guns. Then I realized when I had children that I did not know anything about guns mm -hmm. or the Second Amendment or any of that. And that's when I feel I became an actual shooter, like part of the community that we are in now. So 2006, I started learning about guns. 2008, I got into competition. 2010, I got into Second Amendment advocacy. Uh, 2014, I opened my school. And um, 2018, joined DC Project and, and, and. So. I, my, my, my actual elevator pitch is hi, my name is Brooke Cheney and I take women from clueless to confident with firearms. Yep. <laughs> that works. Uh, and then you have people that say, Hey, what does that mean? <laughs> right? Dumb gun money or which part of it? That's the problem. <laughs> the clueless, the clueless to confident, but I want right. to back up, I guess, before we get into your training, I want to back up. So, yep. uh, you were around firearms your entire life. Yeah, my dad had guns and my, 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 my brother and I just knew, don't touch. That was our gun safety training was don't touch. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, he would bring us to the range. He'd put a gun in our hand, let us pull the trigger, and then he'd take it back. So I knew nothing. I got my first oh, wow. black eye okay. from a scope at like five years old because wow. he didn't even teach me how to hold a rifle proper. Uh, so, okay. Yeah. So you were allowed to shoot them, but you weren't really allowed to learn anything about them basically I, yes i knew nothing about the three rules for gun safety um i just it was go to the range have a gun handed to me pull the trigger but if you right. asked me if i was a shooter i'd be like oh yeah i've gone to the range i shoot um it wasn't until i had kids in the home where i was now in my 30s at that point and i realized that my husband took care of the guns and i was still okay i know not to touch them <laughs> So that that was the extent of my education before I had kids. But that's so dangerous, especially with kids. That mentality of don't touch it. Like, that's you might as well tell them to touch it. I mean, well, when you're dealing with kids. I mean, and adults in a, in a way, too, but especially with the kiddos. Yeah, but I didn't. But like I said, it wasn't until I had children. Because right. before it was like, well, when I had guns in the house with my father, I just knew not to touch them when right. we had my husband and i had guns in the home they were his guns and i knew not to touch them he would take me to the range and he would put a gun in my hand and he would let me shoot right. and at that point in time i didn't really have a lot of interest i mean i went shooting once a year maybe 
maybe once every other year. It wasn't very interesting. Right. And that's why I also try to get people into competition shooting because that's how I became proficient with firearms and comfortable with firearms. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's got to be, there's got to be that fun element. Oh yeah. Um, and I think that's what, I think that's what a lot of people with the new, with a new crop and there's always a new crop coming into the community, but I think with the, with the new crop, that's what a lot of people overlook. They expect them to go from first time firearm owner to, uh, ultimate two a activist in a matter of a few hours. And it's like, you know, the first thing we got to do is get them from being just a firearm owner. Like, Oh, well, I own a gun. How many people do you hear that say that they're like, Oh, well, yeah. I own guns. Well, when was the last time you shot them? Oh, I don't know a decade ago or longer or never, or who knows. Right. Yeah. So like, we've got to get them into the practice of, Oh, I shoot my firearms regularly. I'm not, just a firearms owner i'm a firearms enthusiast of sorts right yeah. um definitely familiar with you know the basics like you mentioned the, the three rules of firearm safety and that sort of thing uh definitely familiar with the basics and then you know but you, i don't think you get to that point without the fun aspect of it right like how do you get somebody who has likely purchased a firearm out of fear yeah uh, uncertain yeah. uncertainty right and then you and then you try to make the transition to you did something out of fear now that's something that you did can be fun right yeah well be and the great part about that is you're gonna have a lot more fun with your gun if you actually go and play and the good news is honestly most of us will never have to use a gun for defensive purposes mm -hmm. right. so as far as a second amendment advocate I still brand myself as a suicide and violence prevention advocate simply for the fact that so many people who don't understand the second amendment, who, which was me, right? Back to the dumb gun bunny thing. It's like in 2005, I would not have a problem with a 10 round mag ban because I didn't care. And I thought, well, you still have ammo in the gun. Why does it matter? It wasn't until I got <laughs> into competition and I realized, wait, a 10 round mag ban is a gun ban, but nobody knows that. Oh, and wait, even better. It does nothing to prevent crime. So, I mean, it's one of those things where we all have our journeys and, and it's just like, yeah, whenever they say, well, gun owners want this. And it's just like uneducated gun owners want this <laughs> because they don't understand what violence right. prevention actually is um I, on my youtube channel i did a thing uh last week or the week before anti-gun does not make you anti-violence mm -hmm. and i think that is definitely one of those messages that gets lost is people think that if they're against guns then they're against violence and it's just like no guns have nothing to do with violence it's personal behavior um a responsible gun owner is most of us a criminal mm -hmm is a criminal and one thing has nothing to do with the other and this is where you know people like you know want to support the second amendment stuff over my cold dead hands and stuff you know take my guns it's like well no we need to really focus on the fact that we really are 100 percent for violence prevention always mm -hmm. and it's not just the second and so we get very emotional um they get very emotional and it's a matter of we really have the same goal we don't want violence Right. Yeah. And then you interject partisan politics gets mixed up in that too somewhere. Right. Yeah. Um, and it gets even muddier. Yeah. It yeah. should not be a partisan thing at all. 
at all. And it is here in Connecticut, at least. Right. Yeah. Um, Chicago Mike out there uh, was asking about huh. when you got started in competition. How did the how did the competition start out, and where are you at with that currently? All right, so um, it really started with Bullseye, so that'd be very minor because <laughs> that was twenty. Now Centerfire or Rimfire or Rimfire. So small uh, bore. Okay, cool. Yep, it was uh, Torrington Gun Club came to me and said, Hey, we'd like you on our, our pistol team. And I'm like, uh, I suck. I barely can hit a target. Why would you want me on your team? And like, Oh, we just thought it'd be cool to have an all girls team. And I'm they like, wanted a handicap. they wanted a handicap. Not a handicap. The oh, handicap. It's okay. But no, but it was cool because I got introduced into competition yeah. knowing that I sucked, but that didn't matter. And yeah. so, uh, yeah, so I got into competition with Bullseye. I uh, did that from 2008 to 2010. Uh, I think my name is in an NRA book somewhere because I wouldn't actually did compete nationally. Um, like the 2000. But anyway, um, from there, I got introduced to Craig Buckland, who at the time had just won the IDPA World Championship for Revolver. And he happened to be going, he happened to be a member at our club and he introduced my husband and I into IDPA and we became safety officers. That was 2010, 11, um, really got into that, which is how, what got me into a girl and a gun, which got me into right. USP, USPSA, uh, USPSA as well. And now I'm an SO in that as well. I'm an IDPA range officer. Um, and I shoot steel challenge from time to time. And now all of I, everything I do now is center fire. Um, but it is minor, not major. My husband does major. Yeah. So there's not a competition you don't like, apparently. Well, I haven't done any cowboy action shooting. I've just watched. That. Oh, okay. That's entertaining. So, yeah. Well, that but, doesn't mean you don't like it. You just haven't oh. done that one yet. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There is yeah. that. And I mean, I've shot trap. I've shot skeet. Uh, sporting clays. Oh my gosh. Sporting clays is hysterical. Yeah, that's um, probably the best just because you get to walk around and the scenery changes and yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what makes that nice. But I haven't done any shotgun since I had shoulder surgery. So, ah, okay. That, that's a bit, it's been a while. Wow. Uh, let's see. I'm letting you something... deal with the comments. I'm ignoring them completely. I'll just do Yeah, that. and that's probably not necessarily a bad thing. DJ's throwing some links out there in the live chat. So thanks to uh thanks to DJ's for that. So those that may not be in the know and may be curious since you have done both, um what's what's the difference in your words from uh USPSA to IDPA? Oh, it's super simple. Chess versus checkers. Uh. So IDPA, I think, is one of the best action sports for people to get into when you're brand new, because an IDPA, it's here's your course of fire. Go here, engage these targets, go there, engage those targets. This is your cover. This is how this runs. Here's how you go. So for a brand new shooter like I was, I was super happy to get introduced to IDPA uh, because it was very much go here, do this, go here, do that. And then I was still pretty new into the action shooting sports before I got introduced into USPSA. And it was, look, 30 targets, shoot them as you see them. And I was just Whoa. like, poor little brain was ready to melt. Because um, in IDPA, it's less equipment. So it's I, I shoot production. 
Um, and so it's just like in IDPA, I have my gun and I have three magazines and that's all that I need. Um, in USPSA, I have my gun and like eight magazines because you just don't know how many you need. And so to me, and that's why I compare a chest to checkers is because on a checkerboard, you have black and red and you know where you're going and mm -hmm. you're limited to how and where you can engage things. Right. Whereas in USPSA, you have the entire board and you can decide to shoot a course of fire in the way that serves your skill set the best. Right. So, I mean, in IDP, there is a little bit of that because you get to choose, like there's, there's different targets you can engage from different places, but you're always, when you're figuring out your course of fire, it's always about what are your skill sets? And that's why the hardest thing in any of the sports is ignoring everybody else's plan when they're talking about how they're going to shoot stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that would be how I, that's how I uh, explain the two of them. Gotcha. Uh, she fires out there. I uh, got a question says, uh, I've been on the fence about competing. What advice would you give uh, for fellow women to get started? So dry fire, <laughs> find someone who can help walk you through dry fire um just because all the holster work you have to do the reloading that sort of stuff is stuff you do at home uh you, because no, most ranges you can't practice live the other thing is go see a competition go watch a competition many clubs actually require before you shoot a competition that you have to attend and watch one so you get to see the flow of it the other thing is do not go to outlaw matches go to a specifically run IDPA or USPSA sanctioned match with actual ROs and SOs that have been sanctioned because the type like kind of cowboy, not cowboy action shooting, but um, yeah, the, the free range ones just get very complex. Right. And um, Craig Buckland, again, he said, we want safety, we want it to be fair, and then we want it to be fun. And those are what you want to really pay attention to. So just like when you go to a gun club, if you get the opportunity to go visit first and see if you really like that crew that's running that sport, that also makes a difference. Because like everything else in the world, it's not like every match you go to is going to be the same. Some you're going to have fun at. Others are going to be like, oh, that was an experience. I might not go back to that club again. But yeah, having a, a, a set rule book for sure. So make sure you go to a sanctioned match. Um, and you're welcome to uh, go to my website and schedule a 10 minute phone call with me and you and I can actually talk directly because that's there you easy. Go. right because um, I know as the comments go by it's hard to keep up with stuff so it is it is but you know if you're out there live keep throwing them out there um, now from the competition to uh, you know getting hooked up with a girl and a gun to now a great start shooting school. What was the progression into, into all of that? Uh, well, let's see from dumb gun bunny, not knowing anything to gaining. And that's not true. You no, 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 but I love I the dumb you. gun bunny idea because I it's just you. like, because I have the joy of knowing how ignorant I actually was mm -hmm. to where I am now. And, you know, that clueless to confident thing is that dumb gun bunny to, hey, I now instruct instructors. Oh, yeah, I'm a training right. counselor, too, um, for NRA as well. 
and I just got my USCCA stuff. Sorry, when oh, you start talking nice. about stuff that I'm doing, I'm like, oh yeah, I forgot about that, that, that. Um, but so in 2010 was the first time I went and testified, right? As far as against a 10 round mag ban, because I started to understand what violence prevention is. And when I got into competition, I met girls that I actually liked. And for the most part, I'd been mostly a tomboy, you know, dirt bikes, that kind of thing. I was the first girl to ride bareback bronc at the Jackson, Wyoming rodeo. Nice. That kind of stuff. Right. Um, but like I got into guns and the girls that I met there were cool. And so I met people like Debbie Singer and, um, oh gosh, a bunch of other people. And one of the girls says to me, hey, are you going to a girl in a gun, the first annual conference? I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about. And I got to meet Juliana Crowder, who is the founder. Mm -hmm. And um, she's like, yeah, you should come, you should come. And I'm like, okay. And it was the first time I'd ever left my children overnight was for gun. Oh, wow. Yeah. I drew, you know, flew out to Texas and I'm like, I left my children behind because guns are fun. Right. And um, so I got into the girl and the gun stuff and it was just like, oh, this is fun. And, and then the, as far as the school, it was, I had my Wonder Woman moment. And I'm sorry for those of you who are just listening, but I just, I'm showing up my little Wonder Woman Lego guy that I have wow. on my desk all the time. <laughs> right. But that moment where I could pack my own range bag, I finally didn't need my husband to pack my range bag for me. And that was probably 2011 or 2012, wow. right? And uh, 2011, I think. And I was just so proud of being able to pack my own range bag. I'm like, this is cool. And in 2011, I became an instructor and I realized that I wasn't really planning on teaching anyone, but a girl in a gun helped me encourage to be uh, able to share what I'd learned. So 2013, I think is when I finally went, started the business plan and all that sort of stuff, because I want to share that Wonder Woman moment with other women. And guys are so funny. Like, do you teach men? I'm like, yes, but I still market to women. <laughs> right. But yeah, so that's how I got into the instruction, like opening the school, because I wanted to share that confidence because that's another part of violence prevention is that the mm -hmm. more confident a woman is, the less likely she is to be a victim in the first place. Yep. Yeah. And that's true of anybody, but yeah. yes. Yeah. Um, now the difference between the men and the women. So from, I've talked to a lot of Talk, talk, talk to a lot of male instructors. I mean, obviously, that's who dominates it for the most part. Mm -hmm. So from the female perspective, uh, male student versus female student, I don't, I'm not concerned about which ones are better or anything like that. What are some of the nuances? What are some of the differences as an instructor you have to think about? So I think because I'm a female instructor, I get a different result than men instructors mm -hmm. because and also my class size, I do tiny classes. I primarily do one-on-one. -on -one. The largest class I've done is like eight people or so um, because I really like that one-on-one, -on -one, hands-on um, connecting with people. Mm -hmm. And as far as men versus women, I don't think I pay attention to any difference. I just have different students. Um, oh, okay. Some students are super analytical and they wanna know every little thing. And I'm like, wait, 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 we're just trying to teach how to shoot. You can take the time later to learn what the thingamabob on the thing <laughs> and the, all of that is. 
Um, so uh, the, the biggest challenge I have with any of my students is stay on target. So like when you start a class with me, I'm like, all right, Clover, what's your goal for today? And we work on that thing. So, but yeah, men versus women, I really don't notice a difference. And I think because I am a woman though, like the guys don't have the macho need to make sure that they know as much as I know, because it's like talking to their sister or their mom or something else like that. Ah, and yeah. so it, it's, that. It, it's definitely, um, it, it's, it's fun. not threatening, but like in a different way than it would not like a woman going to a woman instructor. That would also be, I think, less threatening. But I yeah. think for a guy, it's less threatening, maybe in a different way. Right. And I mean, and it's so funny because like the women that come to me like, oh, it was so cool to find a woman instructor. And I'm like, I've been a woman all my life. I don't think of it. <laughs> so, right. but yeah, it's the thing. Yeah. It, it, yeah, it's like, it's just who I am. So I don't think of it, but they're like, oh, this is so awesome. And, and, I, and because of a girl and a gun, I've had tons of female instructors. My actual, um, I guess, I guess I was incorrect. My first time away from my children was Babes with Bullets. So, Kimberly, uh, um, oh gosh, Lena, um, oh gosh, the, a bunch of girls that are just amazing. Again, world-class shooters that I got to learn from. Um, maybe that was 2010. I, yeah. So either way, the first time I was away from my children was for gun training, right. and that was out in Arizona. Um, Maggie and yeah, just a, again a bunch of world-renowned women in USPSA, IPSC. All of that is how I, you know, how, where I cut my teeth is with some of the best of the best instructors. So right. I've been very blessed. And Fiona says, Brooke is a great teacher, very patient. So I do get that. The, the very patient is in a lot of the reviews that are on my page. Right. And I'm uh, like, you've got a loaded gun. Am I really not going to be patient with you? I just don't see that. Yeah. I mean, last thing you want is to get somebody frustrated, right? You want yeah. people to be paying attention. Um, you know, what type of stuff you talked, you talked about, you know, asking the student, like, what do they want to learn or what do they want to accomplish? But I mean, do you have set curriculums or is everything planned out on a kind of that as needed basis? So it's always safety first. Um, sure. It's gun safe gun handling is what we do here in the classroom before we ever go to the range. There's always a classroom portion when you're brand new with me. And it's just safe, safety, safety, safety. And what I find is a lot of students think that it's going to be super easy to pick up a gun and shoot. <laughs> and then I break it down into lots of little pieces for them. And they realize it's like, wow, there's a lot to this. And I'm like, yes, there is. So it's like, I do have, I do the same thing with every student. It's safe direction, finger off the trigger <clears throat> and, and how to do that and how to accomplish that. And then I also make sure that I show them how to work a fire, a handgun, the way that's going to work for all handguns. So no shortcuts or anything like that. And it's when I ask them, like, what is your main goal? The answers are usually I want to feel confident. I want to be safe. I want to learn how to clean a gun. Um, so I will do whatever it is that they're looking to do. And so the answer is yes and no. The, the answer is safety, safe direction, and how to make sure your firearm is empty. Uh, things like that. 
but it depends on their goal. Cause like, I also have police officers coming to me right now who are getting ready for their instructor falls. And I have people who are, want to do introductions to IDPA. So we work on the holster oh, wow. work. And so it, I, I literally, um, <clears throat> a customized, uh, commodity in that whatever you need. And if I don't have it and I don't have it in my skill set, I know a guy who I can send you to for whatever it is you're looking for, whether it's long range rifle or shotgun or any of that. So, so do I have curriculums? Yes. Cause we have pistol permit classes here in Connecticut. Um, the USCCA just gave me a whole boatload of different little mini courses I can teach. Um, so the answer is yes and no, I have both and I do customized groups too. Right. Awesome. Now you mentioned, you mentioned Connecticut. So let's, uh, let's jump down that rabbit hole for those that, may not be familiar with the uh i don't know it's i don't know if it's the, the, good, the good 2a stuff or the bad 2a stuff is it mostly bad give us a rundown of of what it's like uh, from a regulatory standpoint with uh being a firearm owner in connecticut i tell all my students i no longer say i'm a law-abiding gun owner i now tell everyone that i'm a responsible gun owner because yes. here in Connecticut, every single year they move the bar. We already have a boatload, a booklet of, of laws that have actually been shown not to make sense. And when you ask a lawyer for advice on the laws that we have here in Connecticut, their answer is they don't know until the law gets put before a jury and a judge will actually rule on it. That's how poorly some of our firearms laws are written here in Connecticut. That being said, over the past two weeks, there's been multiple uh, judiciary and public safety um, testimonies that have been given. We have pro-gun and anti-gun laws that are being put up for vote. Uh, or Well, they're in committee right now, so we've testified on them. For those of you who don't know how the, the system works, is a, a person comes up with a bill, they submit it to a committee, the committee then decides if they're going to hear it and then they're going to hold testimony on it where people get to go and talk and then the committee decides if it's coming out or not and there's most of the stuff that we've testified on over the last couple of weeks has not come out of committee yet so we don't know as far as the pro-gun stuff um one of the things uh mr fishbein representative fishbein is one of our great 2a advocates here in connecticut and he put forth a bill saying that you know we should be able to carry on state land so state parks and um, state forests and he also said that our pistol permits shall be issued in an eight-week period or less because right now some people in connecticut because it's done by town here um, are waiting six to eight months for wow. their after they've applied for them and uh what are some of the other good things in there uh I don't know, but there, there's, there's, there are some good things. So we're able to testify on things like that. Say, hey, we actually support a bill. We'd like to see these things. And as a woman, I and an instructor, I'm like, hey, tons of my girls would like to be able to carry their guns while they are hiking in the woods. It's not just about predators, whether it's humankind or animal kind, but right. they're out in the middle yeah. of nowhere. So yes, if they're trained, why not? And then we have the governor's bill that came out that is to ban open carry. It is to ban all carry in any establishment that serves alcohol. Um, those are just the ones like off the top, like the first two pages or you know, page and a half of his thing. It's a 72 page bill. 
Uh, they're trying to ban more things, um, rifle-ish, others, etc. But with the ATF ruling here in Connecticut, we're in sort of a weird sweet spot because the ATF said, okay, if you got a pistol brace, it's now a short barrel rifle under 13 inches, all that fun stuff. And here in Connecticut, we're not allowed to have short barrel rifles. We had them banned right. in 2013. So we're damned if we're due, damned if we don't. So CCBL has Connecticut in the courts is suing them because as citizens, we cannot go to the ATF and register and we cannot own the things. So um, we might actually be in a place where they lose, Connecticut loses the assault rifle ban because they can't hold us where we can't follow the law without being you know, thrown in jail on either direction or get a felony. Yeah. Yeah, it could go one of a couple of different ways there, couldn't it? I mean, that could potentially just bring down the pistol brace or that could affect on a state level the the uh, the AWB there, right? Like it could right. Be and well, but we're not we're not we're CCL is not going against the ATF, so it's not going to actually do anything with the the pistol ah, brace okay. site, right? We're only CCDL is only going up against Connecticut's assault the Connecticut rifle. stuff. Okay, because we can't get gra grandfathered in to any of the short barrel rifle stuff, so we can't we can't declare anything or we can, and right now, again, the laws in Connecticut are so horrible, and with the ATF at the federal level messing with stuff without giving people direct uh, how-to, people basically are just taking apart their guns and putting parts in different places so they're not all in the same place. Yeah, well, I mean, what are you gonna do, right? It's, and that's why I'm like, I, I don't bother saying law-abiding. I'm a responsible gun owner doing the best I can because that dumb gun money was like, if I don't shoot any with my gun, that's the only thing I got to worry about. It wasn't until I got into competition and traveling all over the country with guns and people like, oh, you're from Connecticut? I'm sorry. <laughs> right. Got a lot of that uh, across the nation. <laughs> uh, DJ out there said, uh, you said clean a gun. What training or instruction do you provide aside from range-based stuff? So um, there are things like refuse to be a victim, which is a classroom only. Uh, range safety officer from the NRA is also a classroom only. Um, gun cleaning, I try to avoid, but from time to time, people <laughs> want to pay me to sit down and help clean their guns. So I will sit down and help clean their guns with them. Um, and oh, uh, how to find your perfect gun. That's probably one of my uh, most, most uh, favorite classes or most popular classes because there is so much that goes into figuring out what gun is right for you. And it's no knock on gun stores, but I tell my students, I'm like, you can't walk into a gun store and say, hey, I need a gun for self-defense. They don't have time to ask you, what's your favorite caliber? What size? What education do you have? Because they hand everybody an itty bitty little gun that fits in the palm of their hand. Really and uh, that's not the right thing for everyone because the smaller the gun, the harder is control and the harder is to learn on. Right. And all, not all, but a majority of my students think that littler is easier. And it's just like, no, it, the smaller the gun, the harder it is to control. And a lot of people don't understand that. So uh, you come in here, I've got a table. It looks like you're in a mini gun store and we go through how to look at the sites, look at the um, controls, 
what do you like for weight and grip size and things like that. And then once we've gone through the gun store in the classroom, we take the top two or three and go to the range and nine out of 10 times, the gun that was their favorite on the table is not their favorite when they go shooting. And so that's probably the best class for anyone because it saves them a lot of money. <laughs> right. Uh, Bending ballistics out there says for those that have never traveled with a firearm, can you go into the process? It's a question I get all the time with traveling for matches. Yeah. Um, so number one, don't what, go to Jersey. <laughs> this is true. Well, but for real, like getting in the competition world, there was a gentleman who was flying from a match and he got snowed in in Newark and he was given his luggage, which had his gun in it. And then he got arrested. Don't go to Jersey with a gun. Or if you're driving through Jersey, don't stop for gas. Just keep going. Um, so that is like all joking aside, Jersey and Chicago, don't go there. But right. so as far as traveling goes, you need to figure out what states you're traveling through. If you are driving, you do want to check in and see what the laws are. In general, because um, I can't do your trip planning for you, I start at the federal level with the Firearms, Fire Owners Protection Act uh, and have people just print that out and put that on top of their gun because essentially what that says, and I'm not a lawyer offering legal advice, so I have to say that. <laughs> um, uh, the Firearms Protection Act, because there's a clause in there that basically says if you have your firearm locked up separate from the ammunition in the farthest compartment from the driver's area, you are safe to travel over state lines. Now, that being said, if you get pulled over, cops don't know all the laws. And that's why I say print this out and put it on top of the firearm that is locked in the case that is separate from the ammo that is as far away from you as possible when you are driving. Um, when you are flying, it's interesting because the information on the website is often wrong. Um, this is where a phone call might make you feel a little bit better. But when you go to a airport, you can't just go to the self-check kiosk to the firearm. You have to go to the counter, let them know that you are declaring your firearms. They'll give you a little ticket and you will put the ticket on top of your gun in your luggage and your case for your gun will have a non-TSA lock on the case for the gun, um, which is probably going to be inside of a, another compartment, depending on what you're traveling with. And you will have different experiences with different uh, check-in people. I had one lady, uh, she's like, leave the case open. I'm like, I am in the Connecticut airport and she wants me to sit there with my case open, showing everyone the fire right. in my right. case. Sure. And I'm just like, uh, are you kidding me right now? And then there are other people that you can tell that they are not new. They've done this a thousand times. And again, it depends on what airport you're at and that sort of thing. So, and the reason I say a phone call might make you feel better because once you go to the websites of the airlines, they say no firearms in transit, et cetera, and so forth. So, which is kind of a bald faced lie, but you do need to check with the airline that you are going in. But that's sort of the general stuff that I would look at um, when you do go to travel. Yeah. Because, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think, I don't know. I think it being obvious, like, um, you know, never had an issue, never had an issue for out of state. But I know my youngest daughter, 
did a lot of travel with practice and things like that, competition and stuff. And at, you know, 16, 17 years old and traveling with her firearms and her other stuff for competition. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I just talked to law enforcement in the area and I'm like, hey, she's, there's nothing here in Texas that says she can't have those. Like, right. she can't transport those. Like, there's nothing here in Texas that, um, there's really no regulations on it. So, like, what's the deal? And they're like, hey, just, you know, make sure nothing's loaded. Make sure that it's it's obvious that, you know, it, she's doing what she says she's doing. She's going to competition practice. I mean, that right. should be obvious with the targets in there and the different firearms that's there and everything else. And, of course, our uniform, right, the, the club uniform and other stuff. Like, all of that matches. is pretty obvious. So, if she has an issue, like, they're going to be like, okay, we – we get what's going on here, right? Like, obviously, this 16-year-old's, you know, probably not running drugs, you know, since everything matches up to what she says is true, which is competition. So, right. Um, well, sometimes not looking shady, I guess. Is, <laughs> that's uh, probably okay. like, don't, for, don't look if, or act shady, and you probably are going to be okay. If you come to Massachusetts or Connecticut, though, and you're a USPSA shooter and you shoot open and you've got a 30 round magazine, you're going to jail. Yeah. I mean, that's that that's kind of it. You're well, sorry, you're at least paying lower, lawyers fees. Right. So right. The trust but verify is super, super important because um, when we started competition, there was a 10 round mag ban in mass. We did not have one here in Connecticut. So we had our standard capacity magazines. We had our 17 rounds and our MMP pros mm-hmm. and the other competitors like, oh yeah, there's a uh, competition exception in mass. Well, luckily my husband doesn't, he does the trust, but verify. And he actually called <laughs> the attorney general of Massachusetts and said, Hey, can you show me where the clause is that shows that there's an exception for competition? Yeah, no, there isn't one. Right. So my husband and I happened to get town round mags so that we could travel to Massachusetts and not worry about getting jacked up. So yeah, right. the trust but verify is super important because it's yeah. not like our competitive friends were trying to get us arrested. They just didn't know, but because someone had told them that's what it was. And I'm, again, this is another thing I tell my students. It's like, you must trust but verify because even right. though I'm active in our legislative process, most gun owners are not. Um, because they're like, I used to be where I figure as long as I didn't shoot anybody with my gun, I didn't have to worry about anything. I didn't know anything about safe storage laws or anything else. And our safe storage laws, oh, that's another thing in the governor's bill. He wants all guns locked up at all times, regardless Uh, of status, loaded or unloaded. Um, that's why we had like Nikki Gosler come and testify and Mary Forges come and testify about their survivor, you know, stories. So, um, yeah, the trust, but verify is always, because anything I tell you today could be wrong tomorrow. Like I said, we've got all these bills that are in committee right now. Come the end of the legislative session. I, I don't know what what the laws in Connecticut are going to be. Who knows? Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. It's always a moving target. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes it is. Yeah, for sure. Now, when you were talking about your training earlier, you talked about the, the don't be a victim or whatever, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, victim is an NRA course. Okay, okay, gotcha. So, um, is that more situational awareness or yeah, kind of crazy it, ninja skills or what's going on there? 
It's how to look at yourself like a victim. Or sorry, look at yourself like like what do bad guys look for, right? It's okay. all the yeah. things that we do on a daily basis that we don't realize that we're doing. Okay. Um, you know, simple stuff like when's the last time you changed your password? You know, um, you know, taking corners wide versus hugging a wall when you're coming towards a dark alley or things like that. So yeah, it's it's opening your eyes and paying attention to your situational awareness mm -hmm. and just being more aware. And we talk about your online presence. We talk about looking at your house. How does a burglar look at your house? Nice. Um, you know, do you have a plan for if something bad happens? So yeah, it's, it is primarily just kind of exposing people to the idea of bad people are out there mm -hmm. and you have to try to pay attention to what you're doing. And like I said, like that Wonder Woman moment where you have a little more confidence, you're less likely to become a victim, refuse to be a victim, of course, is that same idea. It's just bringing awareness to things, little things that we can do. Like make sure we have motion sensor lights out in the driveway and things like that because bad guys don't like lights. And oh, those bushes are super overgrown around my house, but I like the privacy. Oh, but wait, if anything happens to me, no one can see me to come help me either. Mm -hmm. So just being aware and kind of trying to make that those decisions that are right for you. Yeah. You know, uh, yeah, it gets said pretty regular, like the your number one defensive tool is Ear. and i'm yes. pointing to my head for those that the gray matter between your ears but, yes right exactly um yeah without a doubt and and the and the best defensive position to be in is not to be in one at all exactly <laughs> you know? so exactly yeah yeah um, like, like you said before people come for fear and i'm just like a firearm is just a tool the most useful one that you have is that gray matter in your head without a doubt right um, and so, yeah, that gets into kind of the mentality of defensive stuff. And then I know that the mental health aspect, you spoke about, you know, suicide and some things like that earlier. So how did the progression work along the mental health side with things you've been doing? So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, that's fine. that's well, a good uh, answer as any. It's, it's mental health has been something that's everyone has it right? It's either good or it's bad. Um, I have been a student of people like Tony Robbins since the 1990s. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Um, I actually worked with them, did fire team, uh, that sort of stuff and went to lots of the seminars and stuff with that. We just had a right. reunion actually. But as far as mental health goes as a teen, I was sexually or uh -huh, uh -huh, even younger than that. I was sexually abused. And as a teen, that turned me into being suicidal and thinking that the world would be uh, at a place without me in it. And I had lots of victim experiences as a child and as a young teen, which led me into too much drinking and got that all of my, out of my system before 21. So there was that. And it wasn't until I got counseling that I found out that having a plan for how to kill myself was not normal, but it was my normal. So, wow. so my suicide prevention stuff is because I did it for myself and people don't want to talk about it and it's scary and people, cause people don't want to talk about it. It's why I talk about it. Right. And since then I've gone to lots of counseling. I've done things that I can do to learn more. Cause like people are like, are you trained in this? Are you trained in this? I'm like, well, I have life experience with this. Um, right. 
and so it's just it's and people even when i was in a bad place people would always come to me for advice and they mm -hmm. seem to like it so i just try to help people because it's yeah. it's a hard conversation to have um, matter of fact uh, just before the show i was talking to another friend of mine and they just lost somebody who took their lives on on monday wow and, and so um it's just super important and people don't want to talk about it and when i finally did get counseling it was group counseling and there's nothing better than when you are feeling despondent and like the world is a better place without you to find out that you are not alone right there are other people that are going through this as well and we're all going to do it different and we're all where we're at for different reasons but to know that you're not alone when you're struggling with mental health is super important. And our society needs to work really hard. And as a gun owner, when we know that two out of every three gun deaths are suicides and the anti-gun people are talking about saving lives by banning guns, I'm like, no, we need to work on the mental health side of things because not only do you prevent suicide when you work on mental health, you actually help prevent violence when you work on mental health as well. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, and you know, my goal is that we're not talking about second amendment rights anymore. We're talking about violence prevention and everyone talks about violence prevention versus rights and laws and all this other garbage. Well, you're helping and you're helping so many different things by that, right? You're actually attacking a, a root cause of an issue, right? Mm -hmm. And then so, yeah, I mean, I agree it spills over into violence, but I mean, how much does that spill over into education, right? Kids that are having, you know, some type of, of mental issues and it's affecting their learning. How does that affect the ability of somebody to hold a job to be able to feed their family, right? Oh, yeah. There's, yeah, there's, no. there's so many other things that, that mental health plays into. Exactly. And like when Sandy Hook happened, my kids were five and six. And so like all other parents, or I don't know, lots of other parents, I went and cried for about two, three weeks. And I'm just like, this is horrible. What actually prevents violence? And so that's where I started studying. And I went to the CDC and I went to the FBI and I went to Department of Justice, Department of Education. I'm like, okay, what do we do? What do we do? And it's just like, when you start looking at the statistics on suicide and you find that over the past decade, the largest growing suicide rates are in our teens and our preteens this is a problem in america this is not a gun problem this is a, a societal problem and and as you learn about violence prevention stuff and you look at actual crime because if you look at the stats for violent crime over the past like decade or so there's roughly 250,000 violent crimes committed that are reported into the fbi you know there's lies damn lies and statistics according to mark twain and it's but it's the best we've got for right now out of those 250,000 violent crimes 13,000 of them in involve murder with a firearm wow so do we have a violence problem or do we have a gun problem and, and so this is the thing is like when you look at an, at the numbers i have an old website it's called save thousands not just one because that was the name of the speech of the first rally I ever spoke at, which was uh, 2013, first after Sandy Hook. Because as a mom, it's just like, yeah, it's it's a big deal to actually deal with the violence and the 
um, suicide prevention stuff because it's so huge. So as far as how I got to where I am, there's lots of contributing factors, I guess, is the real answer. (laughs) Right. Now, with the the escalation with the teens, like you were talking about in suicide, um, social media, bullying, those types of things, factor, body image. I know that's a huge deal with Instagram and stuff, Mm -hmm. supposedly now. So that sort of stuff, tech, let's just say, do you think is playing a, a big role in that? So when you start looking at facts and stuff, one of the things you try to be careful of is correlation versus causation. Correct. And the challenge is that the correlation is 1000% there as far as social media platforms becoming available and depression and suicide skyrocketing with these things that are supposed to make us help us connect. So, um, yeah, the irony there, right? Um, so yeah, things like Facebook, because I don't know if you saw the movie, but it was interesting because it's Facebook was originally created as a dating app. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was all about looks because it was about that person's face. It was, what do they look like? And so immediately as a society, it's like, Oh, do I like how they look? And we'll worry about the rest of it later. And now like I was bullied as a kid, I was picked on, um, again, you know, sad story, but at the same time, I had an amazing childhood. Don't get me wrong, Mm -hmm. but it's like when I went home at night, I could go to bed. You got away I, from it. I, I could go into my books because I read a ton because I didn't really have right. friends as a kid. My 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 real friends as when I was in fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh grade were the frogs in the pond because that's who I hung out with because they didn't give me crap. <laughs> so right. I love my frogs. <laughs> and now I'm married to my prince, but he was never a frog. So there's that. But um yeah, it's like one time people called my house to give me a hard time. But kids today. It's like I, I chaperone my kids at school mm-hmm. events and stuff. And I see them on Snapchat and yelling at each other and all this other stuff. Oh, give me my, you know, snap me, you know, all of this stuff. And it's just like the dopamine rush is yep. hard enough for teens to deal with as is. But now you've got a dopamine rush by hitting a like and hitting another like. And oh, wait, how many followers do I have? And all of that. And we as adults have a hard time dealing with that. There are so many people who are addicted to their phones that, I mean, even before cell phones were a big thing, I remember having people over my house and my phone would ring and you could see them getting agitated that I'm not answering the phone. I'm like, no, 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 you're here with me, Clover, right now. You're the most important person in the world. I have an answering machine. I don't need to get to whoever that is right now. They can leave a message. But our society is so much on this instant gratification thing that we're not doing the delayed gratification. We're not paying attention to what is our real goal in life? How do we actually become happy? Who do we become the people we want to become? Mm -hmm. And focus on those things versus what somebody somewhere in the ether happens to think about and wants to put a like on our page. Because if I can positively impact the world that's great. And the only way I can positively impact the world is if I take care of myself so I can be the best person I can be. Yep. And then maybe I can help someone else like uh, DJ who's watching right now. Right. He helps me with my suicide prevention Saturdays. And a year ago he says to me, what do you want? I'm like, 
I'd be excited if we could get into double digits of people who watch when I'm live. <laughs> because at that point, I had four, four to six people who would check in every Saturday night. And now we have 10 to 12. So DJ helped me get to my thing. But it's we've lost so much connection with all of the social media that's supposed to connect us. And our yeah. children are suffering the most from it. So Right. So we are barreling down at the, on the top of the hour, it looks like. So let's uh, let's switch gears here if I can find the right banner. And we're going to jump into the uh, quick draw segment. So uh, we'll have a little fun here before we get out of here. I'm going to give you two choices, Brooke. All right. Got to pick one. Even okay. though you Even though you probably aren't going to want to on some of these. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, Harry Potter or Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings. Ah, okay. Um, if you if you had to, and you do have to, you're being forced here. Uh, would you move, rather move to New York City or Los Angeles? L.A. Uh, of the two, you prefer Mexican food or eat. Italian food. Italian food? Italian food? I Ital Italian. I don't know. Yeah. My mom owned a res Mexican restaurant, so I'll go with Mexican because I love my mom's uh, quesadillas. Okay. Okay. <laughs> staying, with the, staying with the food. Uh, steak fingers or chicken strips? Steak. Uh, if you were given a trip, would you rather visit the North Pole or the South Pole? Penguins. South Pole. Not many people would do that. I think more people would rather see polar bears, but but uh yeah, that's the only way you could get the penguins, right? Is yeah. South Pole. Um had you rather pick penguins of Madagascar, so you know well, there's there that. you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um red dots or open sites? Oh uh, well it's on handguns. I know, I know. I, I was gonna say uh open site and my thing is always because i don't want my life to reply re expect me to replace my battery regularly ah uh, yeah yeah that makes sense uh you rather have a blt or pb and j peanut butter fluff no sorry uh blt <laughs> wait no wait bacon so, and no, peanut butter no. bacon <laughs> and combine the two uh, on a handgun flat trigger or curb trigger Oh, I'm just so used to shooting curved trigger, but it doesn't make a difference to me. Really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and another one of these trips that you're given to go on, climb Mount Everest mm -hmm. or dive into the Mariana Trench. Ooh. Uh, I'm going to go back to my roots because I've done the Tetons, so we'll go to Mount Everest. Okay. Okay. Um, and so... That was uh, that was Crick Draw brought to us by uh, our friends over at Craft Holsters. So make sure you go check those folks out, craftholsters.com. And I can't remember their tagline to save my life, but it's something like old world craftsmanship. And uh, they've got a ton of leather holsters for a lot of different things inside the waistband, outside the waistband, paddle holster, shoulder holster, angle holster. It goes on and on and on and on. Uh, so go check those guys out and uh, yeah, see if they got something that you like. If you do order something, I will tell you this. Um, 
you will be surprised. It's part of the old world craftsmanship, I think. But you would be surprised at the packing. Um, the holsters that I've got from them literally have straw as their packing material, like an old ammo crate or something like, like you would see in the crates in Indiana Jones, right? That's type of straw. It's crazy. So, uh, yeah, go check them out. When it comes in the mail, you will get what I'm saying. And, uh, yeah, thanks again to Crafts Holsters for, uh, for that. Um, yeah, we're at the top of the hour, Brooke. So I want to give you a few minutes. Is there anything we should have talked about that we did not get to? Um, and then from there, I'll let you do your uh, spiels on where everybody can reach you, that sort of stuff. Uh, and there will be links below, wherever you guys are watching, listening, whatever. You can hit those links below, but uh, yeah, take it away, Bert. All right. So as far as things we should have talked about, we didn't, I don't know. I mean, it's always, <laughs> you know, luck of the draw. It's Russian roulette. It's like, right. cause I can talk about anything. Yeah. Um, cause it's been a lot of fun. I think one of my favorite things is the fact that the only time I've been in a helicopter is a shootout of a helicopter. Um, but you know, Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> as far as where to find me, a great start shooting school.com or if you want to type less it's just agsss.com um, save thousands not just one um, also st whatever the first letters of each of those.com works as well um, the save thousands not just one is an old website that i have but it has useful stuff on the suicide and violence prevention stuff i do need to get over there and update that and by all means, seriously, if you want to have a conversation about anything, go ahead on my calendar at a great start shooting school and book a 10 minute phone call and it's free. And I'm happy to talk to anybody about just about anything. Join the DC project because that's for international. If you're in Connecticut, join ccdl.us. Yep. Um, Suicide Prevention Saturday, every Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern on YouTube, Facebook, um, and that's kind of it. And I've been doing that since 2018, which I started with one that said, I don't know if I'm ever going to do this again. So I keep, when I finally went back and looked, I'm like, huh, I've been doing that for a while. Yeah. So. Yeah. It, uh, they stack up, they add up after a while and you're like, man, have I really been going that long? The mm -hmm. answer is yes. The answer is yes. <laughs> so thanks for, uh, thanks for coming in having a conversation this morning. Really do appreciate it. If things are going on, obviously let me know. We'll have you back on a uh, later season or whatever right. we need to do. We'll, we'll get you snuck in here. All right. Well, thank you for having me. And uh, it's been fun catching up and reading, all, going back through some of your videos you've done with like Robin and Jake, who I've had on my channel too. So right. yep. that is always fun. The gun world is a small world. You got to be nice to people. <laughs> it is. It is. The, uh, the firearms industry community, all of it, honestly, is super small. Yeah, yeah. for sure. So. All righty. So let me get this down. And uh, say thanks again to MTM Case Guard. Yes, the camera is glitching for those that, that come in late to the live side of it. My apologies on that. But MTM Case Dash Dash. Oh, if I can talk, let's start over. MTM Case Dash Guard, because that dash gets me every time. Uh, MTM Case Dash Guard.com. Uh, remember, you can save with code CloverTech. You can save 10% on all the cool stuff over there. Uh, thanks to them for, of course, powering the uh, podcast today uh, and then also thanks to again the patreon patrons the youtube channel members 
uh, all of you guys know full well who you are. Um, we've got Charlie with the riding shotgun from Charlie on tomorrow. Uh, and coincidentally, I think it was yesterday he dropped his episode with me. Uh, I think we filmed that at GRPC maybe last year. That's Gun Rights Policy Conference, by the way. So check out Riding Shotgun with Charlie if you get a chance. It's uh, good stuff. Uh, Till next time, don't forget to chain fire freedom. We appreciate the Patreon patrons and YouTube channel members who keep these podcasts going. If you're looking for cool stickers, patches, and other gear, be sure to check out clovertack.com. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Clover Tack Podcast.